And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today is Reverend Mark Diedrich. Hi, how are you? And Dr. John Vance. Great to be here today, Dan. Mark serves as pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Mark is also a longtime area naturalist and outdoorsman. Besides that, he's an educator, lives in Kerhonkson, New York, with his wife and two of their daughters. Additionally, they have a married son living in Brazil, working for Wycliffe, and a married daughter in Colorado. Dr. John Vance serves as senior pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern, where he resides with his wife Marlene, and the Vances have two daughters, one living in North Carolina and a married daughter living in Rhode Island. Dr. Vance also serves as adjunct professor at SUNY of New Paltz in the philosophy department, and I believe your area of expertise is world religions there. That's what I teach, yes, <laughs> among others. <laughs> Well, on uh, on our agenda today, we've had a question here that we've been looking at that came in. Actually, it was created by Pastor Vance. And the question is this. There seems to be an attack today upon both the individual and the idea of nationhood, as demonstrated through the loss of balance between the individual and society, coupled with the strong push for internationalism. And so we want to break this down a little bit. Behind this whole question are a couple of important quotations. We want to take the first one as it deals with individual salvation. And here is a quote fairly recent that came from the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church of America, Reverend Catherine Jefferts Shorey. And she said this, speaking about a crisis so-called in her own church. She said, The overarching connection in all of these crises has to do with the great Western heresy that we can be saved as individuals, that any of us alone can be in right relationship with God. This was some remarks that she made, I believe it was July 8th through the 17th, at their denomination's governing and legislative body, a meeting that they had, a gathering. So that's the quotation, and again, the key part of that was the statement of a great Western heresy, that we can be saved as individuals, that any of us alone can be in right relationship with God. Now, I don't know about you guys. Well, I think I do know about you guys, but that, that kind of shocked me when I, when I saw that uh, quotation here from a religious leader. That certainly was a shock for me. When I heard it initially on SRN Radio, on Redeemer Broadcasting, mm-hmm. and when I heard it, it reminded me, actually, when I was in seminary, I had one of the students there came up to me, and he said to me, he said, you know... I don't believe we should pray for anything individually. He says, I think God only is concerned about the big things and the big issues in life. (laughs) And I couldn't help but think, but boy, is your God too small. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, when you Mm -hmm. think of the God who has created this vast universe, and I think this in very many ways strikes at the nature and character of God on one aspect. Of course, it strikes at the, the biblical revelation on the other. But it strikes at the nature and character of God, who, though he created everything so vastly in the universe, he created with molecules and atoms and now quarks. 
He did it with all these minute particles. That kind of God who can do that can have a personal relationship with the things he's created. What is shocking, too, it flies in the face of some of the most cherished quotations from the Bible that the Lord knows the number of the hairs on our head, (laughs) or not even a sparrow, not Mm -hmm. a human being, a sparrow falls from the sky Mm -hmm. that he doesn't take note. Now, this is maybe working toward a kind of deism that we have seen in the past that has threatened Orthodox Christianity, and it is something, I guess, that has to be beaten back from time to time so that the people of God might have a clear understanding of God's personal love and care for them. Yeah, exactly. So, really, this is an attack being waged uh, with respect to our need for personal salvation. Um, We have a God who is certainly very large, very great. He oversees all that happens in the universe. He's creator God. He's made all of these things, and yet he has no problem seeing us as an individual, caring for the little sparrow who falls. He's vast and yet very precise. What a marvelous God we serve. And so our need for personal salvation, yes, we have a great need for personal salvation. The the quote that you gave there, Dan, is also interesting from another standpoint. I don't think we want to deny the fact that there is uh, an aspect that is communal, to salvation, and we live in the church, and we have a command to love God and to love our neighbor. So we know we're not divorced from other people. We must be put in a right relationship with our neighbor, and that's what Jesus does. But on the other hand, to play off the social against the individual is, in fact, a heresy. Yeah, I think one of the things of that is, too, is it's a confusion very often, I think, of justification in sanctification and the place that Jesus has in each and the place that faith has in each. So that, for example, if you look at Calvin, you look at justification, and when you see justification, that works and faith are mutually exclusive. But when it comes to sanctification and the rest of salvation, they're not mutually exclusive. They're together. It's a matter of order. Uh, The free gift of salvation comes first, and then we love God, of course, set free to love God with Mm -hmm. all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, before we uh, turn the mic on today, you guys were sharing some Bible accounts of showing where God was concerned about the individual. Um, Let's recount some of those. You know, the, um, the, the verse that first came to my mind when I read the quote was something that I think I have to reassure people as a pastor Mm -hmm. of God's presence and care for them as individuals. Maybe the problem of God today is the problem of his presence and personal concern for my life. But Mm -hmm. I remember that wonderful, wonderful description of the Good Shepherd going Mm -hmm. after the one lost sheep. Mm -hmm. Think of that. The 99 are safe in the fold, but he goes after the one lost sheep. What a beautiful description Mm. of God's personal love for us as individuals. Amen. 
Yeah, when I was thinking about the scriptures for this, there are so many, it's hard to pick them. And I think Pastor Vance has picked maybe the best one there. It's beautiful. Uh, But also, even if you look in John chapter 3, where Nicodemus comes, you see Jesus points to Nicodemus and he says, you, Nicodemus, must be born again and talks about what he needs to do individually. And then, of course, that whole passage, For God so loved the world that whosoever believes Mm -hmm. in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Then he goes on to say that he who believes in the Son is not condemned, but he who does not believe in the Son is condemned already. Mm -hmm. So you Mm -hmm. also have personal salvation through faith. You have personal judgment for lack of faith, and you see that brought out in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, which there's debate whether that's a parable or not. I happen to believe it's not. I believe it's a, a real incident. But be that as it may, the lesson is still the same. The rich man is judged, and personally he is judged, and Lazarus personally is saved and is in heaven. You know, I could come at this just a slightly different way. I uh, used the last Sunday evening in the service the great chapter on faith in Hebrews 11. Mm-hmm. And what I find interesting is that individual persons are named mm-hmm. and commended for yeah, their faith. That's right. that's and then point. the Philippian jailer, of course, cries out, what must I do to be saved? He didn't cry out, what must the community or the village do to be saved? That's right. Well, I see we're coming up on a break here. We will continue this discussion in the next minute. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Stay with us. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here on Redeemer Broadcasting. The purpose of this program is within the milieu of history and theology and current events. We attempt to explore a variety of questions of interest which have been brought to our attention by either you, the listener, or items that we've dug up as we prepared for this program. And on our agenda today is this quotation, really, that 
caused us to ask a question. It came from the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, Reverend Shorey, where she said that it was a great Western heresy that we can be saved as individuals, that any of us alone can be in right relationship with God. You know, um, uh, thinking of that quote, uh, it seems to me that uh, what we have here is some type of hysterical statement and it can only be made, it seems to me, by people who feel their power is threatened. <laughs> but it reminds me of, of what Jesus uh, said about his own ministry. He says, I came to serve and not to be served. And uh, that reminds me of the nature of the ministry. But one of the things I think that uh, is clear from Scripture, without a doubt, is that we are saved entirely by the grace of God through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is a gift. We are saved by a gift. Mm. God has done something in Christ for us Mm. that we as individuals could not and would not do for ourselves. Doesn't it say, uh, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us? When I think of what Jesus did to win that salvation for us, coming to earth and dying on the cross, you know, what a price that salvation came at. And then to turn around and say, well, you know, that salvation, well, that's that's not quite enough. We need something more. Mm -hmm. I I can't think, but that's the height of an insult to Mm. Jesus Christ. I think that's been the problem. People want to always add something more. Mm -hmm. It's that something more. And it goes all the way back to the Reformation. Yes. We've been talking about Calvin. We ought to talk about Calvin. It's his 500th birthday this year, after all, right? <laughs> last Friday. Last, yeah, that's right. It and, was last week that yeah. uh, one of the fellows was going to sing him happy birthday, I believe. <laughs> yes, <laughs> But, More you know, thinking of the, of the Reformation, uh, Luther, reading these scriptures, yeah. uh, developed an insight, it seems to me, a rich, absolutely rich insight, where he went on even to say the faith was through faith alone, trust in Christ through faith alone. Mm. Holy has he redeemed us through his own life and death and resurrection. Mm -hmm. And truly that is a marvelous emphasis upon the free grace and gift of God. But Luther is is second to none when it comes to emphasizing uh, personal salvation. He, He not only had rich experiences himself and had a personal uh, and profound personal turning to Christ in trust alone. But uh, he says something wonderful that preachers ought to be able to get a hold of and use it in understanding the gospel. And he says that the gospel of Christ comes to us in the personal pronouns of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Christ died for me. Mm. Yeah. And how you can call that a heresy is beyond belief. Mm. Amen. That is an incredible thing. And, of course, when he understood that, you know, it was all of Christ. A little bit of the history of Luther, he almost was struck by lightning. He became a monk because he was so afraid of dying. And he thought by being a monk, he would be justified by his works, as it were. And he knew it never was never enough. In fact, his confessor, Stalpitz, used to get upset with him because <laughs> Luther, he confessed for a long time, and, and then some of the people remember the old Columbo 
TV series where Columbo would come in and question someone and start to leave and said, oh, oh, one more thing, one more thing. <laughs> I got And this was Luther. You know, he'd just get ready to leave and Stalpoids would think, finally I can get supper, you know. And, and Luther's, one more thing, one more thing, you know. And, and it drove him to the point where Luther finally said, if a person could be saved by monkery, it was me. Mm-hmm. But he, he, he couldn't was, be. Was sincere and devout in his attempts. Yeah. You know, I, I uh, don't think we have to even jump to the Reformation. I, I have occasion to mm-hmm. teach. I do teach philosophy as well, mm-hmm. usually introductory courses. But I have a, a wonderful opportunity once in a while to reread people like uh, St. Augustine mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. and St. Anselm. And uh, when I uh, have students often read that 11th book of his Confessions on Time, one of the things I try to point out is that we are in a different world when we come to Augustine. It's not the pagan world. It's not the Roman world. It is, even though he was a a true Roman, uh, it is a man who understood the phrase Coram Deo, to be before the face of God. And here he is trying to understand this profound mystery that we call time. And if you want to see a genius's mind at work, go back and read that, and you'll see how deeply he takes us into this thing, time. And yet, at the same time, while he doesn't solve the problem, he certainly takes it to a different level. Nonetheless, he's praying all along. He breaks out in a personal prayer every little bit Mm. in trying to sort out what this thing is. He uses his reason to a degree that almost no one else in history has. On the other hand, he's beseeching God for light because he knew that it is in his light, the light of Christ, that Mm -hmm. we begin to understand ourselves and understand the universe in which we lived. And he's pleading personally. Mm. So much so that the famous classicist Charles Norris Cochrane, you can say, he says, that Augustine discovered individual personality, mm-hmm. human personality. It had mm-hmm. been obscured in paganism. But you find in Christianity that the individual and the individual personality, the flowers of the field, all of them that God has made for his own glory, comes mm-hmm. to full flower and beauty. And that's a marvelous thought. You know, I was reminded of the fact that, um, to the listener, you may be out there listening today and Perhaps you came across this idea, this so-called uh, Western heresy that this uh, bishop mentioned, that we can be saved as individuals, and it was confusing to you. But, you know, as you open the Bible and you read the Bible, it's God's personal message to you. And uh, perhaps even today, God's uh, calling you, speaking to your heart, saying, uh, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. I'm reminded of this story this account of Christ with the woman at the well. And uh, he comes to her, and she's a woman of Samaria. She's not even a Jew. And he says, uh, give me a drink. She's kind of shocked, apparently. She says, uh, wait a minute, what are you doing? Uh, I'm a Samaritan woman. Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And he goes on to say, if you knew the gift of God, that sovereign grace, the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And so uh, he starts telling her a little bit about herself, and she's just amazed. Of course, he's God in the flesh. He knows all. He goes on to say, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him 
will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Yeah, that is a tremendous example of God's grace to the lowest. You know, the Samaritans by the Jews were considered the lowest of the individuals. And she wasn't a very moral person on top of that. Yeah, and, and he pointed that out to her. and She yeah. was uh, kind of shocked that he, he knew so much about her, really. And, and yet we have a person like that being saved That's right. personally. So, so, the, so the call to you, my friend today, mm-hmm. listener, is that uh, believe the gospel. Believe the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, place your trust fully in him. We're talking about the need for individual salvation. Our discussion today was prompted by a quote from the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church in America, which uh, she basically was saying that we can be saved as individuals is, well, nonsense. And the Bible says nothing of the sort. God saves us. He saves us individually. And he comes, you know, I think the whole idea of covenant, that God comes in relationship to his people uh, here's a loving God. He puts his arms around us. He takes us as his own, makes us his own son or daughter. And initially, he just breathes life into us and brings us from death to a spiritual life. If you would like to have a question that is considered by this program over the air, a quick reminder that we would love to receive your questions. You can participate that way in this program. Just simply email them to us using the link on our website. And, of course, our goal always is is to provide you a pastor's perspective of the issue at hand. Now, um, I wanted to also get back to where we originally started. And here was the original question. There seems to be an attack today upon both the individual and the idea of nationhood as demonstrated through the loss of balance between the individual and society, coupled with a strong push for internationalism. And so we parsed that question, went down the path of the need for individual salvation. Now I want to step this back up to kind of the bigger question, what's coming up in the next session next week as we consider more of this question, particularly on the international aspect? And I believe there was uh, a quotation there from the Pope. Well, there's a there's a, a new pastoral letter. It's in the name of uh, Pope Benedict the mm-hmm. Sixteenth. It's probably as many uh, Roman Catholics have observed, who are scholars in the field, have observed that this was probably put together by a bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the quote, though, uh, is a bit disturbing as far as I am concerned. Uh, in which this is attributed uh, to the Pope. Quote, there is, he says, an urgent need of a true world political authority with effective power. Mm. And uh, it seems that he would use the United Nations to bring the world under a one world economic and political system, which um, uh, it seems to me is the growing tendency politically in this country, for sure, And it seems to be the growing tendency around the world. But can you imagine what that means and the implications for the Christian church and for the Christian community? So uh, it would be a very fruitful avenue to explore. 
to say the least. Yeah, so we'll have to uh, put that on the back burner, pick it up next uh, week, Lord willing, on the next edition of A Plain Answer. And any closing remarks today, gentlemen? Uh, we've been talking about the need for personal salvation and took a quick look what's coming next week. But in closing, any final thoughts before we end this program today? I just wanted to quote John Calvin again in speaking about salvation by grace through faith. He says, Wherever the knowledge of it is taken away, the glory of Christ is extinguished, religion abolished, the church destroyed, and the hope of salvation utterly overthrown. Hmm. It's that important. Also, I would say this. One of the poets, maybe Whitman, said that nature is red in tooth and claw. Uh, We do not know the love of God through nature. Uh, It's pretty brutal. Mm. You know, the lion chases down the lamb, and you say, where is the love? Mm, Or you see the volcano go off and destroy communities. Mm -hmm. You can't get it even from our history. It's full of bloodshed. Mm. But when you look at the cross of Christ, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. It is only in and through the person of Jesus Christ and his cross, do we ever believe and have every reason to believe that God cares for me and saves me. Amen. That's a great summary. Thank you, gentlemen. You've been listening today to A Plain Answer here on Redeemer Broadcasting. Joining me is Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and Dr. John Vance, Senior Pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. A plain answer, our goal here is to, within the milieu of history and theology and current events, attempt to explore a variety of questions of interest which have been brought to our attention by you, the listener, or perhaps items that we've dug up as we prepared for this program. We'll offer a perspective that's anchored in history and biblical theology to help flesh out the topic and provide something for you to think about. And if you have a question for us to consider in following broadcasts, please send your question to the email address on our webpage. For A Plain Answer, I'm Dan Elmendorf, and thank you so much for joining us today. May the Lord richly bless you.